Welcome. My name is Jesse and you are listening to The Wake Up Call. This show is about opening your eyes to how you've been living, bringing awareness to the standard you've been operating at, and helping you start living to your full potential. There are two ways I'll help you do this. One, by disciplining your mind, and two, by strengthening your body. It's time to take stock of your current performance and go to the next level. Let's do this. G'day guys, welcome back to a fresh episode of The Wake Up Call. This is episode 163. Today's podcast, we're going to be talking about BJJ and kettlebell training. So BJJ is short for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or JITS for short. And it is fast becoming a really popular form of physical training and martial arts. Well, from a, for me as an outsider, somebody who's never competed in BJJ, it seems to be growing at a really rapid rate. And I think part of that is due to social media. There's just a lot more eyes on it. You see people, you know, rolling and grappling and getting into this hand-to-hand physical combat style of both training and competition. And I do want to preface this episode and say that I have never done it. I am not a JITS practitioner. I've never stepped, you know, foot on a mat and competed or even trained in this form of martial arts, but I am a keen observer. This is something that I will definitely take up once I hang up the boots, so to speak, from football, which I still feel like I have a long time to go in that realm, which my wife will be very thrilled to hear. Not really. Um I think it's a great form of physical fitness, but also, you know, self-defense. You know, as somebody who has done martial arts in the past, I've done Taekwondo for many, many years. I attained my black belt, won a national championship at a really young age. I have a real appreciation for both self-defense and martial arts. So you need to know how to move your own body first and foremost. And that's something that I think that JITS does a really good job of doing both for you know kids, adolescents, but also for adults is learning how to deal with physical conflict and confrontation. And this is something that this is one of the reasons I want to do it when uh, I hang up my boots and I retire from football is I want to start, I want a different challenge. I want something that's going to test my skill set in many, many different domains, physical attributes. When, if you think about it, it's something that Ideally, we wouldn't ever really like to be in this position where you know somebody grabs us or we get into a you know a fist-to-fist combat situation. But anyway, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. What I am going to do and what I am going to speak about is how kettlebell training can complement Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like I said, I've never done BJJ, but it is something that I will take up after I hang my boots up. But I do think that there is a particular style or a particular tool that is more geared towards enhancing somebody's ability on the mats, and that is the kettlebell. Kettlebell training, I think, out of you know the big three types of free weights, barbell, dumbbell, kettlebell, I personally think that the kettlebell is the most applicable and transferable to the mats. And that's what we're going to talk about. So... The reason I wanted to talk about this is uh, last month I got a message from a guy on my Instagram and it was just in my requests um, folder and I clicked on it and uh, the message just read, hey buddy, I just wanted to say that I loved your YouTube video on the Simple and Sinister workout. It was super helpful and informative. Thanks for sharing. So first of all, I appreciate that feedback and that uh, that comment. That makes me feel good and it makes me feel proud of the information and content I'm putting out. If you haven't seen that video, go to my YouTube channel, Fuller Strength and Conditioning, and check it out. It will be under Kettlebell Training is the playlist. Um, And this gentleman, he wanted some advice. He said, by the way, I was wondering if if I could ask your advice on something. I'm trying to step up my BJJ game and was thinking of adding in one day a week of heavy lifts like deadlifts and bench and squats. So I think he's thinking of doing barbell lifting uh, an extra one day per week, deadlift, squat, and bench press. And then he says, do you think that's going to be a good idea? So I posed and I prodded to get a little bit more information because it's hard to make that assessment and that judgment with 
such a broad question and limited information on what he's already doing in terms of a training week and what his training load is. So anyway, we went back and forth a bit. He said, typically, I try to get three to four grappling sessions in a week. So that's JIT, BJJ, and looking to add judo into it. Potentially a couple days of striking a month. And then looking to add the simple and sinister training in a few times a week. Do you think this will be enough? Uh, I said, yes, that will definitely be enough. In fact, I said, it's probably more than enough. You're probably overdoing it. And this is where if you play a sport or if you do a martial art, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's judo, as he's mentioned, whether it's striking, you have to have a balance in terms of what you're doing. You can't always do sport-specific training or sport-specific competition, whether it's games, whether it's rolling with someone, whether it's, you know, you name it. You've got to have a period of this is training and this is physical testing or competition. You need to be able to separate the two. The training enhances the sport or the competition. That's the way you need to look at it. You can't just keep going sport, 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 sport. You need to differentiate between these two things. And the reason you have to do it is that you're developing two different sets of motor qualities or two different sets of physical capacity, should I say. And what I'm referring to here is, I'll put it in simple terms. You don't get strong by testing your strength all the time. You get strong by building your strength. So there's a very big difference between always testing your strength, whether it's a one rep max, three, five rep max, doing met cons, whatever, versus actually taking the time to follow a periodized planned out program over a three, four, six, eight, 12 week period. And the same thing goes for your sport. You can't always go balls to the wall. I'll train really hard four, five, six, seven days a week. And then I'll try and add, you know, kettlebell training or try and add striking or try and add judo to it. You've got to look at the whole fucking picture and say, hey, I'm actually already doing a lot of stuff. Maybe I need to take a step back and actually start removing and deleting stuff off my plate. And oftentimes, the people who are really enthusiastic or motivated or, you know, who like to get after it, you know, self-starters, these type of people find it the hardest to pull back but it's what you need to do if you want to actually advance uh, in terms of both just general physical capacity and also making sure that you're not going to get niggles, injuries, and hurting yourself in the process. And that's a really big piece a lot of people neglect or don't even think about, especially if you know, you're just somebody who likes doing a sport. Maybe you start off, you dip your toe in doing jits, and you know you enjoy the challenge of new skills, getting on the mat, rolling with people, okay. Initially, it's probably going to feel very confronting. Uh, you know, somebody's grabbing your fucking gi or grabbing your shirt and, you know, they've got you by the scruff of the fucking neck and you're literally rolling them on top of you or you on top of them. You know, literally, you're in mount position, so you're literally laying on them or sitting on top of them and then you're in side control and, you know, you've got a groin in the face or you've got sweaty armpit you know, over your mouth, it's pretty fucking confronting stuff. So, and the thing with a martial art such as jujitsu is this. There is very rarely a period where it's not intense. Whether it's from a physiological standpoint in terms of, for lack of a better description, you fighting for your life because it's man to man, woman to woman, whatever, you versus somebody else, you know, you're trying to fucking, you, for lack of a better word, you are fighting each other. All right? It's not a fight to the death. You know, you fight until somebody taps out or you get a submission or whatever. But that's pretty fucking stressful, both from a neurological standpoint, like your fight or flight reflex, but also from the standpoint of fighting somebody is really difficult. It's really hard. It's not something where you stay in first gear. I've got a brother. He's two years older than I am. As a kid, we had lots of scripts. You know, there were times where we'd have physical confrontations. And after doing that three minute, two minute, one minute, whatever burst or bout, you're fucking tired. You're taxed. I remember being, you know, in, you know, 
Taekwondo. And if you come up with it against a competitor who is of equal or very similar skill level to you, it's fucking exhausting because you're both operating at near 100%. Okay, so if anybody takes a step back, if anybody drops their level of intensity, the other person gets a leg up. Does that make sense? So you've always got to kind of have your wits about you, whether it's, you know, mentally, okay, I've got to make sure that they can't, you know, I, I suck at doing this, so I can't let them get into that position. Or if, you know, you've got really tight shoulders and somebody grabs your arm and puts you in a vulnerable position, uh, vulnerable position you're probably going to tap pretty quickly. So long story short, what I am getting at here is you need to balance the books, so to speak, of your high-intensity sport-specific training or competition. And on the other side, have something that is, I don't want to say less intense, but less chaotic. When you do a martial art, whether it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Taekwondo, Judo, insert whatever it is that you do, understand that you are in a chaotic environment. If it's you versus somebody else and you're staring them in the face and you're about to fight, you have no idea what they're going to do. If you've sparred before, if you've grappled before, if you've rolled with each other before, you might know that they like to, you know, sweep the leg, Johnny, or they might like to go to their left or they favor the right foot, whatever it is. You may have an understanding that they bias that part of the body or that perhaps that they've seen you are weak in a particular point and they try to take advantage of it. This is where your general physical preparation comes in. If we look at the human body, I got two arms, I got two legs. I'm right-handed. However, if I neglect any kind of training, whether it's dexterity, actually working on fingers and holding positions and gripping something, so grip strength is a big factor, whether it's mobility, I am going to be at a disadvantage. And if my opponent knows, hey, Jesse can't lift his arm overhead, or Jesse struggles when his arm's behind his back, or Jesse's got tight hips so he can't do this or that, that gives the opponent a huge advantage. And that's where your kettlebell training, your strength and conditioning, your cardiovascular training, that's where it comes in to help bring up those deficits so they no longer become weak points or points for your opponent to take advantage of. Now, I'm going to go back to the, the, the question in particular, which was referencing simple and sinister. If you don't know what simple and sinister is, like I said, go and watch the video. I explain it in detail. It's like an eight-minute video, something like that. But essentially, what simple and sinister is, is a training program. It goes for 16 weeks, if I recall correctly, 16 to 20 weeks. And it consists of doing 100 one-arm kettlebell swings. So that's the sum of both arms. You do 50 each, followed by 10 Turkish get-ups, five each arm. Okay. So this guy, he's looking at doing, like I said, three to four grappling sessions a week, looking to add judo to it, potentially a couple of days of striking per month, then simple and sinister training a few days a week. Do you think this will be enough? Yes, I fucking do. But he said he's been mostly doing your usual standard gym programs just to keep fit, but he enjoys the kettlebells a lot at the moment. So I suppose for me, it's just about keeping it fun. And he said that he is in Scotland. So I just wanted to know, you know, where he is, what his location is. So he's over in Scotland. And like I said, we need to distinguish between the two things. Sport training is sport training. When you go to practice, when you go to train, when you go to spa, when you go to roll, concentrate on getting the absolute most out of that hour, 90 minutes, two hours, however long your training is, and give it your all. Learn new skills, learn new techniques, learn new positions. Learn your opponent's positions, because if you're sparring against somebody in your club or, you know, in your belt division or weight category, you need to have that information to then bolster and boost your own performance. If you know somebody's got some weaknesses, fucking go and take advantage of them. 
don't just be like, oh, Jimmy can't move really well, so I'll, I'll just leave him alone. <laughs> you know what? If Jimmy can't move well on his left leg, I'm going to go and fucking destroy Jimmy's left leg. Is that a dick move? Maybe. But martial arts, whether it's training, whether it's competition, I don't know about you, but I like winning. So if I have a winning strategy up my sleeve, I want to fucking use it. I don't want to save it for a rainy day. I don't want to, you know, leave it in my arsenal of tools I could have used and then Jimmy somehow scrapes a win and me think, oh, if only I'd have played that card. I've got a buddy who does do jujitsu and I remember him saying to me, we were having coffee one time, we we're just, you know, shooting the shit and he was telling me about one of the rules of jujitsu. So one of the rules in jujitsu is when you bump fist, when you bump knuckles, bang, it's go time. And this one guy, he bumped knuckles, he turned around to check something behind him, he turned around, and my mate just said he was fucking on him like a rash. If you go fist bump and you see, oh, a butterfly, oh, there's somebody over there, oh, there's a cute looking girl, whatever it is, and you've bumped fist, rules of engagement state, we're fucking on, let's go. Go and absolutely decimate that person. And that's the way you've got to look at it. It's fucking physical one-to-one -one combat. Take no prisoners. If I'm there to get a fucking submission, go and get it. If I think I've got a better fitness level than you, I'm going to use that to my advantage. If I think that you're more technical or more skilled at the game of jiu-jitsu, but I feel like I'm stronger and more powerful, I'm going to use that tool. Okay, I'm going to use all of the characteristics that I have to try and beat you. And if I'm fighting you, that's exactly the mentality I would expect for you as well. So I've not done jujitsu before. So my skill level would be down here. Shit. Okay. So I've got to rely on other physical qualities to help get me through or perform at a high level. Okay. I'm very fit. I've got good strength, mobility. Yeah. Come see, come sir. You know, it's, it's okay. It's not great. But those are the things that I'm going to use to try and compete or win. And I say compete because my knowledge level, my skill level in the sport that I don't know and haven't done is shit. I already know that. So I'm going to use some other physical qualities to try and get me to a level where I can compete or get the win, get the tap out, get the submission, whatever it is, or just fucking learn. So that's what you have to understand is you've got to use all of the tools at your disposal. So if you're not very fit, that's an area for concern. That's an area for development. Okay? But understand sport training is primary. If you want to improve your Brazilian jiu-jitsu game, first and foremost, be good at Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Start to understand some basic concepts, shapes, positions, how to get in and out of positions, know when to push, know when to try and make an escape and know when to tap out. Okay, Jocko Willink, he's a, a guy I look up to. He does Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's been doing it for fucking years and years. Like I'm pretty sure he's a black belt. He trains with you know UFC fighters. He has a saying, it's better to tap out in training than to have to tap out in real life. And that's what you're there for. If you practice jiu-jitsu or any martial art, Leave your ego at the fucking door and understand, okay, yes, I can push this. Yes, I can maybe squirm and work my way out of it. But understand, if somebody does have a an arm lock, a guillotine, a triangle choke, a whatever, an omoplata, anything like that, you might have to tap, and that's okay. Training is training. Testing is testing. So... Sport training is primary. Get really good at the thing you're doing. If it's jiu-jitsu you want to get better at, fucking get better at that. The general strength and conditioning is secondary in terms of importance. In saying that, your general level of strength and conditioning is what will allow you to excel at your given sport. This means you need a mixture of both. If you want to get better at BJJ, have a higher level of strength and conditioning, a general base level of fitness, strength, and muscular endurance. 
because the higher your level of GPP, general physical preparedness, the more ability and the more skills that you will be able to demonstrate in your sport. What does that mean? You are going to be stronger than your opponent if you're weak. So if you can't do push-ups, if you can't do pull-ups, chin-ups, squats, lunges, basic patterns, your opponent's probably going to dominate you. You aren't going to outlast your competitor if you're unfit or overweight. So your sport will suffer because your general capacity is very low or you're just deconditioned, out of shape. You aren't going to scramble or manipulate your body into awkward or what I call unconventional positions if you can't get into standard ones. If you can't do push-ups, sit-up, you know, push-ups, squats, lunges, deadlifts, if you can't push, pull, hinge, and squat, it's probably unlikely that you're going to be able to do anything relatively good, stable, or safe when somebody's lying on top of you or trying to fucking get you to tap out. Walk before you run. Get a solid level of strength, conditioning, mobility, and body awareness so your skills are amplified on the mats. A basic level of strength and conditioning will complement your sport, but it doesn't always work the other way around. You can be an absolute gun on the mats and in your martial arts and still not move well. How do I know this? I've seen it happen for fucking years in my sport, which is football. Football is a field sport. It involves running many kilometers per game in multiple directions, in chaotic environments. You don't know where your opponents are going. You don't know where the ball's going. You don't know how long you can run for at that high speed. You don't know the effects of fatigue. You don't know what the referee's going to call. You know, so all of, you know, the lads that I've played with, you know, currently and over the years, you know, they can all run. They can all change direction, some better than others. They can all jump. They can all land but they still can't do fundamental patterns like a squat or a lunge properly or a plank. So you're getting people to do this stuff at high speed, you know, huge amounts of impact forces through hips, knees, ankles, lower backs, and they can't do fucking basic shit. That's a huge red flag. So what's the solution? What's the solution to that? Get very good at basic strength and conditioning. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and kettlebell training go together very well due to the nature of the adversary. So in sport, the adversary is the person you're fighting against or you're rolling with. In your strength and conditioning training, the adversary or the opponent, so to speak, is the kettlebell. The kettlebell has an offset and unbalanced load to control and work against. So it's not like a dumbbell where you hold it in your hand and there's an even amount of weight on both sides of the hand. If you're holding it in the rack, it's unstable by nature. So you already have to work to hold a neutral position straight up and down, okay? It also allows you to work on acceleration and deceleration rapidly for high volume. And it also gives you the opportunity to move your body in three dimensions, left to right, forwards, backwards, up and down. So think about the movements that we do in kettlebell training. Kettlebell swings, get-ups, presses, snatches, squats, carries. All of these exercises and movements will build a strong-as-fuck base that then you can work to exceed at the pinnacle of your sport. And if you get all of those qualities better and better, higher and higher, strength, power, endurance, aerobic capacity, you're going to be a fucking hand... You're going to be an absolute handful to deal with on the mats. You ever grip someone, you ever get a handshake with somebody and they got just like a monster fucking grip on you that it feels like they're going to fucking break your hand? That's, you know, that's warning signals. That's like, holy shit, this person looks after themselves. This person has put in time and effort to fucking, you know, work on. I'm not saying it's a be all end all, but grip strength, you know, if you meet somebody who's got a solid, firm grip, you fucking notice that stuff. We talk about grip strength. If you're doing jits, whether it's gi or no gi, grip strength is huge. You're literally grabbing the fucking fabric and the clothing of another human. 
So you're basically grabbing them by the scruff of the neck. You've got to hold that tight. This is where the better your general strength and conditioning, the more you can start specializing and getting closer to the thing you want to get better at. So if you want to get better at jujitsu and you've got a gi, okay, maybe it means we're not going to do chin-ups or pull-ups on a standard chin-up bar. Maybe we're going to build up to some things like towel pull-ups. So you wrap a towel around the chin-up bar and you hold on to the towel. The towel is really fucking thin. So there's less surface area and a much smaller diameter of fabric or material for you to grip onto. Works the fingers much, much harder, much like would be gripping onto someone's gi. Punk stability. If you want to move somebody, you need to be able to both brace and stabilize to resist movement, but you also need to be able to generate and transfer power through your midsection, whether it's feet going up through the hips into the upper body or whether it's vice versa. You grab somebody from up overhead and you've got to throw them down to the ground, almost like a chop going diagonal from low to high or from high to low coming across your body, a rotational component. You need powerful legs and hips. You know, I've seen people where it's almost like a, you know, if you've got somebody on in mount position where they're basically laying on top of you, they're straddling you, and the person underneath tries to basically buck them off, you know, they're almost doing like a glute bridge to try and get them off. Uh, if we transfer that position, instead of being supine laying on your back, if we get you standing up and you pop the hips through, that looks really fucking similar to a kettlebell swing. So, you know, what are the muscles responsible for doing a glute bridge? Hint, it's in the name. You got glutes. Uh, what's the primary muscles involved in a kettlebell swing? Uh, hamstrings, glutes. <laughs> so we can see that correlation. The movements are real similar. I'm getting it. I'm laying on my back. I've got to drive my hips up. There's your hip bridge. Trying to get somebody off mount. Okay, maybe you're rotating. That looks a lot similar, very similar to the start of a Turkish get-up. You've got a kettlebell overhead. You're driving one hip to get across your body. All right? In jits, you've got people grabbing and yanking on your fucking arm in multiple positions, different directions. What are you going to do about it? You're going to try and resist. If I use that Turkish get-up, again, as the example, this is the magic. This is the magic of the Turkish get-up when it comes to how it can help you in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. If you've got someone grabbing on your arm at your wrist, your elbow, up here, they're trying to pin you, they're going to try and fucking give you a chicken wing, they're going to try and snap your arm in half, they're going to try and get you to tap out. Think about what it is you're trying to do. You are trying to prevent somebody from manipulating your shoulder joint. The Turkish get-up, in the Turkish get-up, your shoulder does not move. You have a kettlebell overhead, and it's your job to go from supine, laying on your back, going through 10 steps. So you go from laying on your back, up to standing, and back down. You move around the kettlebell, not the other way around. So the kettlebell doesn't move. You do. You are trying to resist your shoulder moving in any direction. Fuck, I reckon there would be some great carryover from a Turkish get-up to your Brazilian jiu-jitsu game. Wouldn't you agree? It builds mobility, but it also builds stability. Trying to keep the shoulder packed in the joint without it being yanked and pulled in many different directions at different forces. You know, so when you're fighting against somebody and they're pulling on your arm, they're trying to fucking pull it across your body or tuck it behind your back so you can't use it, you have to resist that from happening. And they're not going to do it lightly. If it's a one-to-one -one combat, whether in training or whether in competition, someone's pulling and tugging and dragging on your arm, putting you in a position you want to get to. So it's not like they're just gently, hey, I'm just going to pull this arm around here. They're going to fucking do it, and they're going to do it hard, and they're going to do it without warning. So it's your, how quickly can you react and then resist that motion from happening? That's what we're training in our general strength and conditioning. And then if we think about work capacity, if in our kettlebell training, if you're doing a set of 
three, five, 10, 15, 20 swings or snatches, any kind of ballistic work or double cleans. You know, this is going to build you work capacity unlike what you would get with a dumbbell or a barbell because the weight is constantly in motion and your body is continually under load. I'm going to repeat that. Kettlebell training and jujitsu go really well. They go hand in hand because unlike conventional barbell or dumbbell training, when you do kettlebell ballistics, swings, cleans, and or snatches, the weight is constantly in motion. You have to work on accelerating that thing, and then you have to work on decelerating and absorbing that force. And it's continually in motion, and your body is continuously under load. You have to learn to absorb the force, brace for impact, and then redirect it and do that cycle over and over and over and over again for however many reps you determine. So yeah, it's going to work your fucking legs. It's going to work your hips. It's going to work your grip. It's going to work your cardiovascular system, and it's going to work your breathing. How do you respond under stress? Uh, kettlebell training will help you figure that out and improve it really, really quickly. I go back to the the SFG1 certification, which is the level one kettlebell certification from Strong First. And this was in, uh, I believe it was 2020 that I did this. And we had a team training. So I don't know, it was like 20 of us there, 16 maybe. And there was two lines, we'll call it two lines, two rows, two rows of eight. And we had to do this uh, swing to breath protocol. I think it was like you do 10 swings and 10 breaths. Then nine and nine, eight and eight, something like that. But what ended up happening is you could see a very clear division in the people who had an idea of the work to rest ratio and how to um, how to maximize it. So the goal wasn't to do the least amount of work. The goal was to do the necessary amount of work, which is let's call it 10 swings. And then amplify the recovery. How do you recover from that challenging, demanding set of 10 swings you've just done? And you would see half the group would be fucking gassed in a matter of minutes because they wouldn't be able to control their breathing. Half the group would be out of breath, huffing, puffing, panting. They do 10 explosive, powerful swings, park the bell, and then they're just huffing, puffing. And before you know it, Holy shit, my 10 breaths are up. I got to get back on that kettlebell. And the other half of the room, or the other third of the people who knew a little bit about pacing, breathing, recovery, understood if I breathe really fast, it means that my rest period is going to go really fast. So I'm going to, air quotes, cheat by slowing the breathing down. I want to make my rest period as long as possible. Okay, you do 10 powerful swings, park the kettle like a professional, and then you got to slow your breath down. In through the nose and out through the nose. Yeah, that's right. You heard that correct. Not in through the nose, out through the mouth. You go in through the nose and out through the nose for as long as you possibly can. Inhale and then make the exhale longer. That is going to work your parasympathetic nervous system which is the rest, digest, relaxation state versus the fight or flight reflex of, you know, huffing, puffing, panting, breathing like you're about to fucking keel over and die from a set of 10 swings or however many you've got. But that's what I remember. Half the group knew how to breathe and the other half didn't. Half knew what to do, half didn't. And it's it's a, what's the word? It makes it evident really quickly. Like people, after a couple of rounds of just breathing whenever the fuck they wanted, they realized really quickly, oh, right. But by that time, after they figured it out, it was too late. They were already halfway into the workout. The work kept coming around quicker at a pace that they couldn't recover from. So they were in bits and pieces and the other half were pretty much cruising. But if we think about some key exercises, if we think about some key exercises with kettlebell training and how it correlates to 
BJJ, a goblet squat. You clean the kettlebell and you hold it in the goblet position. It's not comfortable here. This is not a rest period. When you are standing up, about to squat down with the weight, you're not holding it on the chest. Ladies, get it off the shelf. Get it off your boobs. It's slightly away, an inch, maybe, just away from the body. So you're actively squeezing it, holding it. Forearms, biceps, lats working. Then you've got to grip it from start to finish, whether it's three reps, five reps, 10 reps, 20 reps, however many you've got. You've got to keep an upright torso. So don't let that bell fold you in half. Stay nice and upright, head tall, like someone's pulling you up by a piece of string or grabbing the, the hairs on the top of your head, pulling you up. And then you've got to sit all the fucking way down and come back up. Okay, it's a lot of shit we've got to overcome. Active hold, upper back stability, bracing like someone's about to punch you or like someone's laying on you, compressing your torso, and stay nice and upright. The path of least resistance would mean you fold forward, shoulders internally rotate, upper back rounds, and you basically collapse forward due to the weight being front-loaded. That's all of the stuff you have to counteract. And these are some of the things that I think about when doing movement. It's not just, oh, hold it here and squat down. No, no, no. We're trying to extract the most amount of benefit out of the fewest exercises and the least amount of reps possible. That's the goal. The most amount of results with the lowest amount of attrition or breakdown or degradation of your body. If we think about the kettlebell swing, we're working that posterior chain, which I mentioned before, hamstrings, glutes, lower back and abs of steel. If somebody's rolling around on top of you, trying to get inside control, trying to pull your leg or rotate your fucking hip in a position you don't want to be, hey, we need a strong global system. So what I mean, what I mean by global is I don't just want your hamstrings to be really fucking strong and your glutes to be weak as shit. I don't just want your abs to be strong and your obliques, glutes, and lower back to be weak. I want the whole fucking, the whole entire frame of your body strong, which is why we need a combination of upper body and lower body movements. It's why we need a combination of fast movements and slow movements. And that's where Simple and Sinister shines is it does both of those things. It has an upper and it has a lower body movement. It has a ballistic and it has a grind. Think about what I'm saying here. The program, Simple and Sinister, it's so basic. It's so boring. I think I spent nine months on this fucking program. I don't even do jujitsu. I play football and I can still see the benefit in how it's going to help me as a footballer. Stronger, more powerful legs and hips. Strong, stable upper body with a tight midsection that knows how to connect and transfer energy from top to bottom and keep me strong while I have a weight above my head. But one of the things that I think a lot of people underestimate when it comes to the Turkish getup is spatial awareness. If you do martial arts or jujitsu, you need a really high level of spatial awareness. You need to know where your body, where your joints are positioned in space. And this is where the Turkish getup shines. It puts you in three planes of motion. The sagittal plane, which is forwards, backwards. The frontal plane, which cuts you in half, left and right. And then you have the transverse plane, which is a rotational plane. The Turkish getup puts you in all three. And this is where, after I explain the movement and I demonstrate it, I get my students to practice it. And what happens very, very quickly is they don't know where they are in space. Okay, uh, press into your left hand. And then I have people doing this. They've got a weight above their head and they start doing this. And I'm like, press into your left hand. That's not your left hand, that's your right hand. Or I'll say, you know, bring your leg close, uh, further back to the wall behind you. Or give them some clear, concise instruction. And they won't know how to actually get into that position or change where they are. And that's okay as well. The first time you do this exercise, you're going to be shit at it. Just like I said, I've never done jujitsu before. So when I step onto the mat or go for my first class or my lesson, I know I'm going to be shit. But the goal is to go from shit to suck. And then once we get to the level of suck, 
We go from suck to good. And then if we persist and we keep doing these things, we go from good to great. The biggest takeaway, guys, for you know developing more skills, more work capacity, more power, more endurance from kettlebell training is that you get so much out of so few exercises. And this is the thing. If you do jujitsu and you want a type of training that is minimalist, so you can get a lot of bang for your buck, kettlebell training is the way to go. Do some swings, do some get-ups, do some squats, do some presses, do some snatches, learn some fundamental movements, learn how to brace effectively, work on how to hold the kettlebell correctly in the rack position, do some carries so you can build a strong, robust midsection that's capable of withstanding forces, whether it's rotating, whether it's anti-rotating, you know, having the arm overhead and preventing somebody pulling your shoulder out of its socket. There's so many benefits that you can get just out of a couple exercises and doing it, you know, a handful of times per week. So yes, by all means, do your martial art, do your jujitsu training, but understand that your sport training and your competition is chaotic, as in unplanned movements, positions, shapes that are not dictated by you. They're dictated by the opponent you're facing or the person you're rolling with. So you don't know what's going to come next. So it's important that you take advantage and you train in a safe, controlled environment on your own terms so that when you do get put in unstable, potentially unsafe positions, you've got more strength and mobility in reserve so that it's not going to fuck you up. How's that for a sales pitch for kettlebell training? Yep. Cool. That's really what I wanted to kind of mention and elaborate on based upon, like I said, that message that I got from this guy over in uh, Scotland. Um, yeah, you don't know the position that somebody's going to try and put your body in until they do it. And this is the thing. I would rather you be prepared in advance and be proactive rather than, hey, I've got a strained rotator cuff muscle because somebody tapped me out and my shoulder is weak as piss and then have to react and be like, all right, I'll go to the physio, I'll go get my little fucking TheraBand and do some, you know, external rotations or cable machine, you know, do cable step outs or, you know, do some, you know, shitty little exercises to build up a basic level of strength and mobility again. I'd rather you just do it ahead of time so that you don't have to suffer an avoidable injury or setback. That's really what I'm talking about here. So, you know, kettlebell training, whether it's simple and sinister, whether it's another kind of training program, do something. It needs to work your entire body, upper body, lower body. Fast movements, slow movements. You pick the combination. If you don't know how to do these things, I have a kettlebell course online. Just go to my website, www.fullersc. That's spelt F-U-L-L-A-S-C.com. Go to the tab where it says free shit and kettlebell training articles and you will find in those articles a link to my kettlebell online course and I will teach you everything you need to know so you can dominate kettlebell training. Simple stuff done with precision on a regular basis will make your body, I don't want to say bulletproof, that word's been fucking just destroyed. It's not going to make you indestructible. It's going to make you stronger and more resilient. And that's what you need when you've got people yanking on your arm, you know, laying on top of you, applying fucking their entire body weight on your body. And this is the last thing I'm going to say on it is this, guys. Hopefully this will be the sealer. If you train jujitsu, you have another man or woman laying on you, their entire body weight, pressed down, compressing on your rib cage, on your sternum, on your belly, on your abs. Do you know how to brace against it? You've got somebody trying to grab your arm and tuck it behind your, you know, bring your hand behind your arm. You know, they're trying to pull and yank the fucking shoulder out of its socket. Do you know how to resist these movements? Do you know how to contract the muscles that either create or resist motion? Yes or no? Kettlebell training can help you understand how to stay strong through slow movements, 
and also how to be really powerful in explosive quick movements as well. And this is the thing. When you train in a safe environment, whether it's garage gym, whether it's commercial gym, and you use kettlebells, you can move thousands of kilos of load, put a shitload of stress on your body, and get into various positions so that when another human tries to manipulate your body, the toll is a lot lower. So if you do the stock standard, you know, three sets of eight to 10, you're going to get bodybuilding type results. Sure, you might inflate and get a bit of a pump and look bigger, but you're not going to be stronger and you're not going to be able to resist somebody moving your body in positions you don't want it to go. And then tap, 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 you lose that round. You lose that bout. You lose that shoulder. You lose that rotator cuff. All right? Keep it simple. One of the things that I do uh, for my own training is I train in blocks. I've got off-season. I've got in-season. Off-season training, I train three days a week, strength training. In-season, I bring it back to twice per week because my main focus, my priority is on my sport. So I'm not trying to just keep adding shit to my plate. I want to get more out of less. So if I go back to that initial question or that message, you know, typically I try and do three to four grappling sessions a week and looking to add judo into it, potentially a couple of days of striking a month, looking to add the simple and sinister training in a few times a week, you know, trying to step up my BJJ game was thinking of adding in one day a week of heavy lifts like deadlifts, bench and squats. Fuck man, that's a lot of training. If you're a professional athlete and that's all you do, you live, breathe, and fucking eat and sleep and shit training, cool, go for it. But if you're a regular guy or girl, that's way too much shit. General rule of thumb, the more often you train, the lower the intensity. But the less you train, the higher the intensity. And this is where your strength and conditioning training comes in. You need to have a high basic level of aerobic fitness, strength, mobility, and endurance so that when it comes time to actually do that high threshold, very chaotic type training or competition, your body can handle it because you train a couple hours per week and you put your body in positions that challenge it but are in a controlled environment. So what I'm saying is that your strength and conditioning training, it should improve your sport, not take away from it. Um, and if it's not, you're doing it wrong. So a bit of a lengthy one there for any JITs, aficionados or practitioners. Um, I look forward to getting on the mats, like I said, probably in a few years' time, and I'll keep learning and diving into that. So I have at least a basic skill or knowledge level, I should say, before I actually get on the mats. But the last thing I'm going to leave you guys with is this. There is no such thing as sport-specific training. So these are people who, you know, <laughs> golfers, they use weighted golf clubs to try and improve their swing speed. Uh, all that's going to do is throw off your timing when it comes to golf. If you want to get better at golf in terms of the sport itself, practice golf, practice your chipping, practice your putting, practice your driving. If you want to get better at badminton, don't use a weighted fucking you know, racket. Use a normal racket, but put in the hours, put in the reps. If you want to get better at jiu-jitsu, make sure you're rolling multiple times per week. Make sure you're drilling. And it might mean, okay, I struggle in side control. So I'm going to do my fucking 10,000 reps of side control. And you drill and you drill and you drill and then you drill some more until you go from shit to suck. Congratulations, you graduated. And then you practice some more, you get more fluid, there's less, you know, clunky transitions, you can do it seamlessly, cool, you're now good at it. And then you get so good that you can do it with your fucking eyes closed. And then you can do it with the next belt up, or you can do it against a stronger person, or a heavier person, or both. And then you get fucking great, so that whoever's standing across from you, you look them in the eyes and you say, let's fucking go. Let's roll. Not a problem. Not scared. I've fucking refined my form. I've drilled. I've practiced. I've got great strength. I've got good conditioning. I could fucking take you. Let's go. That's your sport. 
Sports-specific training is your sport. Don't blur the lines. If you're doing your kettlebell training, do your kettlebell training to the best of your ability. Do powerful swings. Do slow, controlled get-ups. Do tight squats up and down without your body traveling forwards or backwards. If you want to practice your snatching, awesome. Make sure you finish with a vertical arm. Make sure that kettlebell stays close to your body. Kettlebell training is kettlebell training. Jiu-jitsu is jiu-jitsu. The higher your strength and conditioning, the higher your capacity to then demonstrate that extra physical capacity in your sport. So I think they're an excellent combination and they complement each other really, really well. It builds all of the physical qualities that you need, the grip strength, the power, the hips, the mobility, the endurance, all of it. So I love that question. Uh, I hope that answers it in detail. And if it does, if you found benefit from this, I ask you do me a favor and you share this to one friend who does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or somebody who's thinking about doing Jits so that then they can actually think about, all right, is kettlebell training going to be a worthwhile training methodology for me? So if you got benefit from it, if you can see how doing some get-ups or doing some swings or doing some cleans is going to help you on the mats, share this to them. And maybe they can go down the same path that this gentleman from Scotland has gone down to help his game on the mats. Because that's really what we're doing here. You get better general strength and conditioning to then transfer it to your domain, whether it's on the mats, whether it's in training, whether it's in competition, whether it's going from white belt all the way up to black belt or wherever you are on your JITS journey. So guys, that's my ask. That's all I have for you. Kettlebell training will make you stronger more resilient and if you take it seriously you'll build some fucking crazy work capacity in a short amount of time but like all things it comes down to how you recover from your training don't keep adding stuff sometimes you need to delete and other times you just need to get more out of less you don't need more exercises you don't need more frequency sometimes you just need better quality as well so take that into consideration and hope you can use the kettlebell to make you stronger and a better JITS practitioner. And guys, I will see you one day on the mats. If you loved the wake up call, found it entertaining or got some benefit out of listening, I would appreciate you helping me to spread the word. Please share it with a friend or on social media so that you can pay it forward and give someone else the opportunity to improve themselves like you just have. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon for another episode.